Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Mood with Lauren Elizabeth. I'm Lauren Elizabeth. And for today's current mood combo, we are going to be joined by new author Mallory Urban. She's also a lifestyle influencer, personality, you name it. She is just everything of the sort. You guys, I fell in love with her during our current mood combo. She is just such a ray of light and just absolutely is going to boost your mood. She absolutely boosted my mood, even just talking to her, going back and listening to the podcast. She is amazing. She's a small town girl from Kentucky. She experienced a ton of life from Miss America to the amazing race, but while influencing and sharing her life online, there was actually a lot more going on behind the scenes and she is ready to share her story. She has her new book called Living Fully and it's all about daring to step into your most vibrant life. It's really for those people that are kind of just sliding into that just getting by mindset and just to start living truly intentionally. And it's all about how she found true joy on the other side of her darkest season. So her heart is now on a mission to help others experience this fulfillment as well. And of course, just if you follow Mallory, you can find lifestyle tips, beauty insider secrets, all of that fun stuff that we love. But she is just such an authentic and bright soul. I think you guys are going to absolutely love her as much as I did recording this episode. But first, let's jump into my best mood and worst mood of the week. So my best mood this week was fun, fun, fun. You guys, sometimes you just need to like have a freaking fun time. Like there's nothing more that I love than, you know, like me time and doing self-care and like wellness and all that stuff. And like just really staying inside. You guys know I'm a homebody, but there's something about like going on a trip with your friends because of course it's just fun hanging out with your friends in general, right? But like going on an actual trip where you're stuck with your friends under one roof for a short or extended period of time, there is just nothing. And I repeat nothing to me more fun than that. So we went up to Michigan for the weekend there was a group of us that stayed in the house together. We went skiing and there's just something about like all waking up together in the morning and just being like giggly and silly and having to like plan meals together and go grocery shopping just, and I don't know if maybe not everyone feels that way, but for some reason, maybe it's because my love language is like quality time. So it's just like being stuck together and getting to do the entire weekend sun up till sundown together is so much fun. And even like the drive on the way there, the drive on the way back, like I remember being in the car on the way home on Sunday being like, so should we just like text all day so we don't get Sunday scaries and we can feel like we're still together, but we don't actually have to leave. Like I'm clearly obsessed with my friends and I just like, I love doing adventure activities, all that kind of stuff with my friends. I don't know why. I just think it's such an elevated way of spending quality time together. So my best mood was just literally like laughing so hard, being so silly, being just my most like authentic self under one roof with all of my friends. And those are like the memories that we just kind of think about forever. And it was just so fun. So if you have like a free weekend coming up, whether it's like President's Day weekends coming up in a couple weekends, I believe. And, you know, it's just like we're getting into that kind of like spring-ish, like travel, whatever. I recommend like just planning some kind of girls trip or doing something. We literally were only gone for two nights. We drove on Friday left on Sunday. It was so quick, but just like that extra quality time and just like silliness, 
was literally so worth it. And I just 10 out of 10 recommend it will be your best mood. I was like riding the high for as long as I can to the rest of the week because I just didn't want to go back to normal life because stuff like that is literally so freaking fun to me. I think it's also probably because I didn't go to college. So I didn't get that experience of like being around people and like being with your friends kind of like all the time in a living situation so i think that i get those kind of like little moments like that through experiences but it's also cool cooler just doing it as an adult anyway because we get to do way more adventurous and fun stuff not just like going to bars and stuff like that so we got to go skiing we got to go like on long drives we played in the snow it's like the perfect combination of being an adult and being a kid with your best friends and then my worst mood was I think that ever since I've gotten back home to Chicago, I've definitely kind of been in like a distract mode where it's like if I'm not working or I'm not with my friends or family, I'm not really quite sure what to do by myself. Like I think we all go in phases where we forget that we need to be our own best friend and we need to enjoy being by ourselves. And because I think that the best times are where you like don't have FOMO and you just want to be by yourself and you enjoy spending time with yourself. And it's not because I'm like going out and doing stuff because I have FOMO. It's genuinely just because I'm trying to like distract myself and get myself through like a rougher season. And I think I'm handling myself well, but I do find that my worst mood has been in those moments where I'm like, okay, I don't have too many podcasts to record today. I don't have too much busy work to do today that like I feel like doing. And I don't really want to go to my mom's house because I do kind of want to be alone and I could hang out with someone. It's basically I'm just finding ways to distract myself and fill up my time when in reality, I do need a lot of me time to recharge and I'm just avoiding it because I don't want to feel my feelings. I don't want to be by myself. I don't want to spend time by myself and spending time by yourself is amazing. You can do stuff like a, a face mask. You can do your nails. You can cook dinner, like all those things that I love doing. I've just been avoiding them because I just don't want to be alone. I think it's also like the weather. I'm just like, oh, it's like dreary out. And it's like, you know, usually when I'm by myself, I'm like, oh, I can go like lay in the sun and read a book. And it's like, that's just like not happening for me right now. So I feel like I'm just kind of like living for distractions right now, which is technically my worst mood because I am draining myself and getting really tired. And I do need to focus back on that kind of like wellness and self-care. But I think it's like good to put in perspective of like, listen, Lauren, you had so much fun. You've been spending so much time with your friends. There is going to be times where you don't get to do that. And so don't be hard on yourself take it easy, be gentle, try and feel your feelings as much as possible. And it's okay to have fun. Like yesterday, for instance, I had a horrible day, you guys, like just absolutely horrible. And my friends were all hanging out. I had already committed to the plans and I text my friends and I was like, should I even come? Like, I don't really feel like doing anything. They're like, it's probably good for you to get out of the house for like an hour. And so I did that. And I do get anxious. Like when I leave the house, when I don't want to. So I think just kind of giving myself that little push of, okay, I'll leave for like an hour and then I can come back home and relax. And so I'm kind of like trying to find that balance right now of putting myself first, taking care of myself and not just doing that by distracting myself. This podcast is brought to you by Green Chef. Like I just said, cooking is one of the biggest mood boosters, but if you're maybe like not the best chef ever, Green Chef is here to make it so easy. You can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals because their pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings, and spices get you more of a chef-curated flavor in less time. And you guys know I hate going to the grocery store right now, especially because it's freezing cold, so you don't even have to worry about any of that prep work. With fresh produce, premium proteins, and organic ingredients, you can trust Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. The recipes are so easy to follow. There's new stuff to discover every single week so you won't get bored. And it's America's number one meal kit, you guys, for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. So they have something for every lifestyle, keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free. So whether... So whether you want to be plant-based or like calorie conscious, just whatever you're doing right now, because I believe that like February is the new January. I feel like all of us were just kind of like, ah, January is not for us. So taking charge of your health this month, Green Chef is the way to go because you're going to get the mood booster of cooking, but you're also going to be eating well. And obviously it's green. So enjoy your greens while being green. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of their plastic packaging in every box and 100% of their carbon footprint and emissions. 
I love Queen Shift because I love all of the different options they have. So I love like sometimes I like to do like a meatless meal once a week. I just think it's I, I like eating meatless. I'm not vegan, but I like incorporating tons of different vegan recipes and vegan meals into my diet. And their fast and fit is a great option. Gluten free. I just love how they have all of that kind of stuff that's surrounded by more of my kind of wellness goals. And it's super yummy. It takes all of the hassle out of the stuff that I like don't like cooking. And it just like saves me time while I boost my mood. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh and with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands and now my listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount with me. Go to greenchef.com slash mood 130 and use code mood 130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. Now let's jump into mood boosters. My mood boosters this week were obviously like giggling and stuff. Like I even talked to my therapist on Tuesday and she was like, laughing is good for the soul. And I was like, amen, sister, like amen. But what I also like really got me through anxiety this week was working out cardio wise. I just felt like I was waking up super, super, super early. I was waking up between five and six every single morning because I just had so much anxiety. I couldn't sleep. And usually I wake up between like seven, seven thirty, like somewhere around then. And there was just like moments where I just didn't know what to do with myself because I had all this physical anxiety. I didn't want to get into work right away or it was later in the afternoon and I had already done a bunch of work. And so I was mentally a little tired, but I had so much physical anxiety. So what I had to do to boost my mood is I had to just work out. And it was kind of just this like every single day doing cardio because it got my heart rate up in a good way where I was just like, burning off energy. I saw this meme that was like, everyone always says you have to like take your dog to the dog park to like wear them out because like a sleepy dog is a happy dog and a happy owner. And I saw a meme that was like, basically a sleepy Lauren is a happy Lauren. And so I just realized that I had too much kind of like worked up anxiety and energy. And so what I did is every single day this week, I went down, I did the treadmill. I played some music. I did some different ab exercises and stuff. And I know I talked about working out last week, but I just found that this week, I forced myself to just go downstairs, get on the treadmill and tire myself out because it was like the only thing. It wasn't necessarily boosting my mood. It was almost like bringing my mood back to like normal so that I could continue boosting it. I also must say that like skiing was an absolute mood booster. And I know that that's maybe not like attainable for everyone. But the reason it was my mood booster is because it reminded me of being a kid. It reminded me of just being adventurous. It had that like adrenaline. It was activity. So I think that it just reminds me that I want to incorporate more kind of healthy activities into my lifestyle that aren't just like on the treadmill because like there's nothing necessarily fun about being on the treadmill, but there's something obviously so fun about skiing. So being able to kind of figure out things that I like doing that are more kind of in between those two things, I think would be an amazing mood booster because skiing literally boosted my mood so much this week and I just had an absolute blast. So luckily I can go skiing more, nothing crazy like Utah skiing or anything, but just something that's at least fun enough to go up to Michigan, Wisconsin, all that stuff in the Midwest, because it's just fun and it's a mood booster. So I highly recommend finding some kind of like adrenaline activity, whether it's like climbing or hiking or just like something like that, because you're being physically active and fit and you're getting those endorphins, but it's also just literally so fun. I also found that a mood booster for me this week was creating the Mood with Lauren Elizabeth video clips for Instagram reels because I don't really listen to my podcast back because I don't like my voice and I don't want to listen to my own podcast. But since I go through the guest and I put together something for you guys on Instagram, I just absolutely love editing it together and making this little like one minute video that I feel like is within itself, just the biggest mood booster ever. I was editing Mallory's and I was just like, oh my God, yes, this is amazing. I love this. Like, I don't know what it is, but they're the most mood booster reels on the planet. I absolutely love making them. I'm still working on figuring out how I want to do video for the podcast because I know a lot of you guys have been asking me for it. So right now I'm just doing Instagram reels, but at some point we will switch over and obviously have it available on YouTube as well. But I just think the reels are such a nice little mood booster that you can scroll through on your feed. And I just absolutely love making them. I watch them like a hundred times after I finalize them because they literally boost my mood that much. And I love my guests that much. So you can follow it at mood with Lauren Elizabeth on Instagram. 
I've also found that like journaling in the workspace has been really helpful. I talked to you guys about how I have a personal journal and a work journal. And what I did is I journaled a bunch of stuff. I've been taking a bunch of notes on phone calls. I've been putting all these like ideas and writing all these things out together and making it make sense in my head on paper. And then what I'll do is I'll kind of put it together in a presentation like deck form and email for the people that need to see it. But I found that really putting it pen to paper first in this little work journal has been like helping me be more creative and get more excited about ideas and kind of make more sense of my vision in my head. So I have been journaling and I've been working on a lot of journal stuff. So I'm really proud of myself in that mood boosting sense. And then my last mood booster was just a little pick me up. It's that Ilia Serum Foundation, you guys. It is so freaking good. I never thought I would like it because I didn't understand it, but it it is not what I expected. It gives you like the most like natural glow ever with like this perfect amount of coverage. It's perfect for winter. Like I just am absolutely obsessed with it because there is nothing that is the opposite of a mood booster than being pale and like looking like you're dead and ugly. And so just whenever I kind of like go out for drinks or go out and do this or that, I've just been absolutely loving putting it on, keeping my makeup routine really simple, but at least feeling like I'm put together because it boosts my mood. It makes me feel good. And I'm just obsessed with this foundation. And I can't believe I'm so late to the game. Do your friends and family look at you sideways like there's something different, but they can't put their finger on it? It's happening to me all the time lately. They ask about my makeup and skincare, but they never seem to say my hair. It's looking thicker and fuller since I started using Vegamore. Vegamore is a transformative, 100% vegan and holistic approach to hair health that leverages smart botanicals clinically proven to promote visibly thicker, fuller, longer looking hair. My friend was giving me a French braid over the weekend in Michigan. She was like, your hair is literally the thickest thing I've ever touched in my life. And I was like, clean, I know. Vegamore's Grove Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner Kit and Grow Serum work together to create visibly thicker hair and improve hair from the roots. It's super easy to use. You just massage the shampoo into your scalp for 60 seconds and then follow up with conditioner. For prime results, follow up your wash routine with daily dropper full of the serum. You apply it to your scalp, massage it in, and done. It's literally that fast. Just so easy. Vegamore products are an essential part of my daily hair care routine. I love the shampoo and conditioner kit because obviously it's the easiest thing to do to incorporate your routine into something you already need, which is shampoo conditioner. And the quality is amazing. You guys, like you guys know, I'm so into ingredients and what things are made of, and it's hundred percent vegan and cruelty free, and it never contains parabens or hormones. Vegamore has something for everyone looking to improve their hair health. They help give you back healthy, beautiful looking hair without harmful chemicals, which is extremely important when you're putting something directly on your scalp, you guys. And best of all, Vegamore has a 90 day money back guarantee. And even better, 91% of customers say they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months of use. My hair is looking thicker and fuller and I'm getting my confidence back thanks to Vegamore. Try Vegamore risk-free for 90 days. Trust me, you're going to love them. Go to vegamore.com slash mood and use code mood to save 20% off your first order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash mood. Code mood to save 20% at vegamore.com slash mood. Okay, guys, let's welcome Mallory Urban to the podcast and talk all about living fully. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. You have such an incredible story. It's actually, I realize it's like your book month. It's almost like your birthday month, but even more exciting because February is your book month. You're launching your book and I'm sure you've just been absolutely so excited to have this launch month and everything. How are you feeling about your book finally getting out there right now? I am so excited, Lauren, that it's finally here because it's such a long process. I have two kids and I'm going to have a third one this summer. And it's like a baby being born. It's like, (laughs) it's so much stuff, you know, goes into it. And then all of a sudden it's just here and it's out into the world and everything changes, you know, once it comes out. But, um, I am so, it took me eight years to write about what's in the book. So like, you know, it's just, it has been a labor of love and I'm so excited that it's finally into the world. So it definitely feels better than a birthday month. The book. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those who don't know, what's kind of like the background of just your story in general, you know, from a crown to an amazing race, that yeah. kind of stuff. What was kind of the first thing that really launched your career, which obviously is going to take us to some stuff in the book as well. Yeah. Um, so 
I, you know, very backstory. I grew up in Kentucky. I live in Nashville now. Um, I'm the oldest of 23 first cousins that grew up on a farm together. It's almost like a compound. It's just oh my God. very, my grandparents lived in the middle and then we were spread out like over all these acres. It was just us. My dad had six siblings and like I grew up the oldest of all of these kids. So I was always a leader. You know, it's not only was I the oldest of four siblings, but like all of these kids that I was really close to. I was always an achiever growing up, you know, all the ways that you can achieve as a young person in sports. And I was valedictorian in my class, all those things. Then I went to college and I had this great childhood. And even though I loved to achieve and be a leader and all of these things, it was never crippling for me until later in life. So post-college, I won the Miss Kentucky pageant that leads you to Miss America. And I was a runner-up in Miss America in 2010, walked off the Miss America stage straight onto reality television. Uh, I did The Amazing Race. My dad was my partner in this show. You raced around oh my God. a million-dollar prize. It was so fun. Um, I got done filming that, and we immediately got cast for an all-star season. So within 2010, and I'm in my young 20s, I did Miss, I was runner-up in Miss America, runner-up on a season of Amazing Race, runner-up on another season of The Amazing Race. And... <clears throat> That was the point where things started to shift for me and I started to spiral a little bit because uh, I'm from this tiny town and this close-knit family. Everybody was just cheering me on. They were so proud in all of the great ways, but I started to put pressure on myself and I started to feel like if I didn't top the last thing I did, like I'd been doing, um, that I would let myself down, my community down, my family down. And in my spiral, you know, I think a lot of people have these hard times in life. Um, but mine began to really spiral and I was a person too, that was a perfectionist and I needed things to be perfect on the outside. So I started taking prescription medicine that a doctor had prescribed to me during this time of my life. And over the next like four or five years, as I continued to try and like grasp for more and do these bigger things and I wasn't achieving them, the prescription pill abuse got out of control. And I ended up in a treatment program for five and a half months. And I hadn't shared that story until now. And, you know, it's been, I've been, it's been eight years. And in the last eight years or so, five years or so, I've been a public person online. I'm, I share a lot of the same things you do. Like all this lifestyle stuff, this fun stuff that people love to watch. And I would get people all the time saying, gosh, you know, I, I love watching you guys because you're so happy. And I wish that I had a life like this or a relationship like this, whatever it is. And I would always send them messages and be like, oh, I went through this thing in my life. I chose the way I live every day. Like living fully is my passion. And like, the, they would be like, really? Because I think people just think like people are automatically like that on the other side. And I realized, and the reason that I wrote the book, I was like, I, I can't keep showing the shiny other side of this without telling them what happened in my life. And I didn't have to tell this story. Nobody knew that I spent all of this time in treatment and uh, really that I was in recovery. It's easy to say like, oh, I don't drink. And, you know, I went through hard times. But everybody says things like that. Like I went through hard times and here I am. Here's the other side. And I felt very compelled to share this part of the story. And then that's where I'm at now. I can't believe you didn't share it until just now. Like it's so easy when you share almost everything on the <clears throat> Internet to always everything. have that little voice in the back of your head telling you like maybe you should say something like i can't believe that you kept that you know for so long until yeah. this book it's, it's incredible in a sense of like you really because i think that shows too that you know it's not like a performative thing as well it's not you know you're yes, doing I'm it for other people like you you clearly were really just internally on your own dealing with this and then the fruits yeah. of your labor were just being shown online like did that ever bother you leading up to the book release i mean clearly there was that you know shifting point mm -hmm. where you wanted to write about it but what was that like mm -hmm. kind of like not really telling anyone what was really going on I like your vibe because you just said the word that I, it's important. It was important for me to not make it performative. This was such a, you know, and there are HIPAA laws. Like they couldn't, they could never tell that I went to that treatment facility. No one knows. Right. My mom's side of the family didn't know. And so I could have kept this quiet for forever and just said in general, like I've been through it guys. And I have a <laughs> podcast like you and it's all, it's like yours. It's motivational and uplifting and, I just couldn't. I just started to feel like I am just leaving such an important piece for all the people that are watching. Uh, I'm leaving such an important piece on the table. And there were times where I felt kind of guilty 
for not sharing mm-hmm. it in that someone would say something to me and I would say, I would just say something that was kind of beating around the bush. And I would think to myself, man, it would really uh, help this person if they knew the specifics of it. But I wasn't ready to share it yet. I think Brene Brown, who I really love her work, uh, she says, like, you need to be ready to share your story and you need to share your story uh, with the people who deserve to hear your story. Mm. And I have this amazing community and I felt like they deserved to hear it. But I was also ready. You know, I went through um, something else in the last year and a half. I, I have two kids and I had four back to back miscarriages this last year. I didn't wow. share it. Um, and I didn't share it for uh, over a year because, you know, I admire people who can share hard things as soon as they happen or right in the middle of it. But sometimes when I feel like people make uh, content and uh, out of hard things or they it becomes their whole platform, it's a struggle for me because I'm like, you're right in the middle of it. And I admire people who can help people see that you know, they're not alone, but I'm never a person that wants to take trauma or tragedy or something that I've been through and, and spin it into something. Like I just, uh, not to say that people are bad in doing that, but certainly I am very cognizant of, I do not want these things to be performative. I only want to share my experience. I'm also not trying to come on there and be like, these are the 10 steps that you take to do this. You know, there's one thing to like teach when you're mm. Renee or when you're Tony Robbins or when you're a person that has been studying and doing it for years and years. But when you, when you teach while learning, I think that that mm. is, it's doing yourself an injustice because I don't think you're able to fully learn when you've already turned it around and like started to show it to other people. Uh, and I think it does people an injustice sometimes too. Like if you're not quite there yet, because people are really looking to these influencers um, to, to help them move the needle in their own lives. And I had to make sure that I did it right when I decided mm-hmm. to do it. And that's mm-hmm. why it took me like three years to write this book, Lauren. It was like true blood, sweat, and tears. I can't and even imagine. So hard because I wanted it to just be right. I, I didn't write, I have nine arms of my business. I did not need to write a book. I wrote a book simply <laughs> to help people who have a similar journey to me or people that just feel like they're not living their fullest life. I just felt like what I'd been through, I was keeping it too close to the chest when it, I felt like I could share it and it, it could help people. You know? It almost reminds me of the DM you kind of mentioned where you said that someone, you know, admired you from afar and was like, I want to live like this, look like this. And it almost feels like in the back of your head, oh, wait, I'm presenting this idea and this lifestyle that you don't know that it's not grass isn't always greener on the other side and it does take a lot of work. And I admire that too, because I think that, you know, it's that fine line of really not putting all of your trauma and all of your things out there. Like I even, I was telling my friends the other day, I was like, listen, I'm going through a lot right now, but I've been going through a lot for the past two years. My community's probably sick of it. Maybe I should just like deal with it behind the scenes for a while and then like tell people later. And cause also it's like, I I don't know what I'm doing half the time. So exactly like you said, how am I going to teach you? And I I don't even know. Like, I get it. I love that kind of like conscious effort that you were like, let me figure it out on my own and make it really make sense to myself. And then so I can communicate it with other people because it is, you know, you go to your Instagram and you see this like gorgeous family and this like just truly mood boosting vibe of like, just, it makes me so happy. And so to know that you struggled with all this stuff, like my first thought was, I don't, I can't see this girl taking prescription pills. Like she's so pretty and so cute and her family is so amazing. Look at, well, you know what I mean? I think that it's it's taking a truckload of them too. (laughs) (laughs) Just let the tailgate down and like pour fall. I'm like, honestly, Mallory, if you didn't write a book about it, I don't think I'd believe you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm glad I wrote the book then. (laughs) No, I know. But I think, and I, I love too how you wrote it with the intention of obviously helping people, not just like getting your own story. So in the book, is it kind of like a balance of the two things of I'm telling you this and then teaching you how to do it yourself? Like, is it kind of guided? Is it like self-help? What is the book kind of, what is it going to look like? So the book is a little bit of a hybrid because I love stories and I love storytelling. I think that stories is how you can bring people into like what happened instead of saying, here is how I did this. And here is how you should do this. I did not want my book to 
feel like that. So I start each um, chapter with a story, kind of. And I'm from a family of very rich storytellers, you know, with this close family that I had. We used to get together like four times a year and they would tell our family's story over and over and these stories of overcoming and my grandparents would tell stories. They still do. And we'd be like, we've heard these stories before, but now looking <laughs> back, it's like you learn so much through those stories. So I would I'd tell a story about something that like I had a breakthrough of living fully looked different to me in different phases of life. Mm. In the beginning of the book, it's a drug addiction. I had to get through. If I would, that's when you have the flashing red flag, when you, um, I wrote this book to two people, you know, when you have the flashing red flag, the affair or the conversation that needs to be had or the drug addiction or the, that thing, there's no way to, to live a full life when you have that. So mm -hmm. that is the person I was in the beginning, but the person I am at the end is the person that I am now. And the person I was for the first 20 something years of my life, I didn't have this issue. You know, I went hard mm -hmm. and fast for like five years, but. I didn't even drink until my senior year of college. You know, this wasn't a problem for me in my youth. And I write to the person who just feels like they wake up in the morning and they think this is, this is certainly not how I thought my life would feel. Or they think in the back of their mind, I know there's more, but I don't deserve more. Or they think um, that life is accessible for Lauren and for Mallory, but like I couldn't have that life. I wrote it to the person that wakes up and is like, you know, uh, nothing's bad going on. My life is fine. And then mm -hmm. this is supposed to be how things are. And that person needs to take, if you think that like the absence of bad in your life is a qualifier for a good life, that's also a red flag because you are going to live your life at a cruise control baseline, just comfortable and easy. And life can be so much more vibrant and full on the other side of Face, taking risks and facing adversity and having conversations and choosing to live your life in a different way. So throughout the book, every chapter, like there's chapters on all different things on like living in a legacy mode every day instead of just thinking about the end of your life or quieting the voice of fear. Fear will run rampant like a crazy chick. I will be a chicken with my head cut off in my life with like a voice of fear. I'll make decisions based out of fear. I like have to. That's one thing I have to wrangle. Um, there's chapters about like when life throws you a curveball, like how to make your next best decision. I think so many times in our life we get knocked off our feet with something we didn't expect and we make a decision to get out of that feeling and to like boost our mood. You know, something mm -hmm. you talk about all the time. It's, it's, uh, and it's not the right decision. And we continue to go down the wrong path, like just to avoid pain. I write about living fully in a lot of different ways. So no matter where a person is, if they want to obtain a fuller life, whether they are like literally a drug addict that's about to die, which I was in the beginning of the book, or whether they're a mom of two, like trying to run a business and just live a bigger life and live a legacy. And, and, and that's who I am now. So there's a lot of different stuff in the book. It almost reminds me too of how I always say, you know, you don't have to be like crippling with depression to go to therapy or to be happier like you don't have to get to rock bottom technically i think the problem is is yeah. that people are on cruise control so what can happen is you get to rock bottom easier and then the next thing you know you have to pull yourself out of that i think what's interesting is a lot of the you know when you talk about kind of the pills and all that stuff leading up to it i think it's very uh, coincides with the success and the idea of perfection. But, you know, you're obviously, you're not one of those people that took a step back and like switched your entire career and stopped sharing your life. So how do you kind of now with the person you are today, make sure that you're not getting burnt out and that you're not co constantly trying to do the next thing and check off a box or like addicted to work and success and that kind of stuff? Well, I think that's definitely a struggle even, which is so being addicted to sharing and social media and just like the world we live in right now like even if you're not using pills and stuff to kind of cope with it i still think it's yeah. such a slippery slope anyway yes that's very well said and it is but you know i didn't go to a 30-day program i went to it i was they kept me there and kept me there and kept me there <laughs> and the, the your face <laughs> I mean, after 30 days, first off, I showed up at this place and like, I'm so delusional, which most people are, you know, when you're at that point where you're, it's bad. My parents dropped me off and I showed up there and I was like, take my blood and tell my parents I don't do drugs. Like I literally <laughs> thought because they had my name on it, even though I was taking way more than any human being should take. Right. 
but it's fine. The doctor gave it to me. It's not like I'm on the streets, you know? <laughs> yeah. But that was just something I was using in my own mind because I belonged there just as much as any of those people that were doing that. But I showed up there for the 30 day program and, uh, you know, you're delusional. And like when you show up at treatment, you're not going to say, here are the things I'm taking. Here are the amounts and the time of day. You know, they do a toxicology, like they're going to screen you. So I'm taking my yeah. blood. And I was, I was like, when are you going to tell my parents? I don't, I don't do drugs. They can send me home. My parents left while I was back there because they knew, you know, I'm in the right place and I needed to be there. And it took me about 10 days. The first seven days, like as I was coming off of it and I started, first off, I didn't sleep for seven days. Like it is just misery, detoxing and withdrawing from these things. But then once you start to come alive again and you feel yourself come back, it's like my spirit and soul had like left my body and they were coming back. And when you start to feel, you know, I felt joy, like not chemically manufactured highs. Like I started to feel happiness again. I started to sleep on my own. I thought to myself, I do belong here. And wow, this thing happened so slowly to me that I didn't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, I should be here. So at the end of the 30 days, like I'm feeling great. <laughs> I'm sober. Right. I said, now, Hey, I'm going to write a book. Will you send me my laptop? Like this is such <laughs> thinking like, let me go. I wanted to teach while I was learning, like right in the middle of it. And I think it's an instinct that everybody has. And at the end of the 30 day, 30 day program, they'll assess you and they say, you can go to sober living or you can go home or you need to stay longer. So my parents came, we're sitting there and I was, Oh, I, I knew they were going to send me home. They were sending people that were on heroin home. Like, of course they're going to send me home. So, uh, they said, we are recommending three more months for at least like three more months. And I was like, what for me? <laughs> but you know what? That three, the, the, the two greatest things that I gained from treatment, I wouldn't even put sobriety at the sobriety. I had to have to live. I would have died. But the two biggest things that happened to me there were the things that I now take with me into my life and the things that enable me not to get caught up in the same thing I used to get caught up in. And one, I opened the whole book with this story about uh, at a place like this, they really know what to do with you. They don't just sit and talk therapy and say, why were you doing, you know, okay, let's talk about it. you shouldn't take these pills because like, you know, this reason, because there's always something underneath. And even if somebody wasn't addicted mm. to pills, you know, if you're obsessively scrolling social media, or if you are only living for the weekends and your life is miserable during the week, or you are just numbing out with something, numbing agents can come in all shapes and sizes and they can be on any end of the spectrum. So this is me on the very end of the spectrum, but there's always something underneath it. So for me, um, they knew what they were doing, you know, and I, I've been to the extended care program for about three weeks. And they said, we're going to give you a pass to go get your hair done. And I, I, I said, okay, awesome. And I've had long, blonde, permanent extensions every day of my life for 10 years. You know, I've done Miss America with them. And, like, it was a part of my identity, I felt like. Mm -hmm. I've never gone a day without them. You know, I would go and I'd get them taken out, get my hair hollered, put back in. So they, they, they drive me to this facility. And they're taking my extensions out. They're not going to let a person in treatments, like, get new hair extensions. And they <laughs> knew that, like, this was going to be a breakdown moment for me. But I didn't know. <clears throat> so they took Took, started taking my hair out. They took the last piece of hair out. My hair was like two inches long underneath. And they turned my chair around and I looked at myself in the mirror and I had a full out of body life flash before your eyes experience. And like I opened the whole book with that because that was such a pivotal moment in my recovery, realizing how, how much I wanted to remain this person that I'd always been. Even mm -hmm. though that person almost killed me. I knew I couldn't be that person anymore. I'd die as that person. But I want to cling to it so bad that like that was the lowest low I had in all treatment, not during the sobriety part. It was that. And I came back to the facility, like with my hair broken up, my face was swollen. I'd already gained like 20 pounds. And I said, I know you think you know what you're doing with everybody else, but you don't know what you're doing with me. Like this is breaking me down to a level where like I can't come back. I said, now I want to do the illegal stuff. Like I can't believe you brought me to this point. Packed my bags and I almost went home, but I didn't. And that hitting that rock bottom, overtaking my hair extensions, that it opened up this whole thing in me that I realized, man, am I attached to something I shouldn't be attached to? I did a lot of work around that. And then uh, something else that 
it was like the last shred of something that I was hanging on to was there was a chapel service on Sunday uh, that I sang at. I've been singing my whole life. It was like the last piece of the old me. It was the last thing. I'd become like a star at the treatment facility. I'd always sing and, you know, I did these solos. And um, it was my last shred of something being like, I know I'm here in this place. And like, I've got all these problems, but look at me. Like, I'm not average. Like I have a talent. I have something. Like notice me for that. Mm-hmm. And they took that, that away from me towards the end of my stay there. And I couldn't understand it because you don't understand like how, how a good thing can be, can be bad. How you mm-hmm. can be holding up these good things. Like it could be like our social media following, or it could be a talent or it could be you, your role as a mom or your position, like at your, your job. But if you're unhealthily attached to that, and if you're holding it up and saying like, love me for this, it is a problem. They took that away from me. And that was some of the biggest work that I did. And now, you know, the way that, I am on social media now is much different. Like before I went to treatment, A, I would never have shown up on social media without hair and makeup. And like, it would have been a very polished, shiny version of what was going on. And now while I do show that, because I don't think everything needs to be doom and gloom. This is my trauma. This is addiction. This is because life is vibrant. Life is bright. On the other side of what I went through, life is amazing. It certainly has its lows and I face a lot of things that are hard, but it is great on the other side. When you face the things like I had to face, that's why I wrote the book because life can just be so much more. But um, I, kn- I know those pain points for myself and I know when I am becoming attached to something healthy or unhealthy mm-hmm. and I can see it now because I spent a really long time trying to get past it in my recovery. And um, that was a gift to me that I didn't know I, I would be delivered in this seeking sobriety. Um, and it changed my life forever. And had I not had this drug addiction pop up in my life, I would have never been forced to get the shovel out and dig and dig and dig. And I think a lot of people, uh, they don't have the catalyst to change. So mm. They have to choose it themselves. And it's the hardest thing to do. Because the red flags are easy. You've got to get help. You're going to die. The people around you help you get help, hopefully, if you have a community around you. But when you have to be the one to choose, I, I want to live my life different. It's the hardest thing to do. And uh, it's something that I hope after reading a book like this, whether it's my book or someone else's book, I really did, a, I think, you know, after three years of writing, a good job of bringing to the surface the things that I did. So I hope that they help people to do that. But um, it's really hard to pick, pick up your life when think when everybody around you is happy and there's nothing bad happening and everything is like pretty comfortable why well, rock the boat. But I'm like shaking people and being like, rock the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Quick break because this podcast is sponsored by better help online therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on this show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. We've been taught that mental health shouldn't be a part of normal life, but that's wrong. We take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor with nutrition. We should be focusing on our minds just as much. You guys know that if I was sick and I had to go to the doctor to get medicine, I would, which is why I have anxiety. I talk to my therapist every single week. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and mood listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com mood. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash mood. Back to the podcast. I think it even is, it reminds me too of kind of that, what you were saying about just, let's say Monday through Friday. And you don't have those like little kind of like sparks of joy and that vibrancy that you talk about. And I think that it's just, I remember even like talking to my friends yesterday. It's like, so what's everyone up to this week? They're like, oh, just getting through, like getting by. And it was just such this like small moment for me where I know that I'm not like the most like on the other side, like pushing myself to the, like really do the things that I want to do. Like I know I constantly need to be improving and really growing, but I I thought at least that I know there's clearly something underneath because I'll be alone on like a Wednesday and I'll just get anxiety. 
because I'm like, oh my God, I'm alone. And then I realize it's because Lauren, you don't want to spend time with yourself because you need distraction. You want to that is have a dinner to go to. You need to have a dinner to go to. You don't have like anything on the calendar for work. Like I'll freak out. Oh my God, I don't have anything on Thursday. What, what am I going to do? And it's like, God forbid you have to spend a whole 24 hours with yourself. And that's kind of that underneath that is so much more manageable than hitting a rock bottom because you can just make a lunch plan and you don't have to really figure out why you don't feel like spending time with yourself because people think that it's normal. So I love how you relate it to both because you're like, listen, I had this drug addiction. I had this problem. It was fancy schmancy. It got real dark real fast. And now it's like bright on the other side, but also you could be coasting and on autopilot. And this, just because you're not addicted to pills doesn't mean like you're, not having these like voices of fear and like this like lack of purpose in your life. And I think it's like the hardest thing for people to figure out is even just what their purpose is, because you just think that your purpose is to literally get through the week and make enough money to pay your bills and then like have something to do that's fun on the weekend and then do it all over again. And it's like, yeah. And then your life is over. Yeah. Life is over. And you didn't get, you didn't get to another level of it. And it is not hard. You don't have, this isn't an overhaul. You don't have to go to rehab. You don't have to completely stop your life and sit everybody else down on the couch and say, this is the way we're doing things now because we are on the track to living fully. These are very manageable things that move the needle in such big ways. And what I like about what you just said and why you, you can tell that you have done work is the awareness piece. Because so many people, when they start to feel the anxiety, they just do the thing to put the Band-Aid on it. They don't think about it. And whether or not you make it out of that or not, the awareness is the first step to making making it out of it. And it's okay to feel. We are all going to feel sadness and anxiety and fear. Lord, I wrote a book about it, and I feel like last week, you know. It, it's <laughs> just a thing. It is life. It is choosing not to numb out every negative feeling we have. It's choosing not to avoid pain and adversity. It's a thing that we do. This generation is such a pain avoiding generation. But you know what? We're watching everybody else's life that looks totally free of pain on our cell phones. I mean, mm. we are seeing, do people show the pain? If they show the pain and if they're showing the trauma, it's always the right. It's always the rainbow also that they're showing, you know, it's usually not just right in the middle of it. Right. And I think that people forget that people experience these types of things. So they think, I'm not supposed to. I wrote a whole chapter in the book called Endangered Species. And I wrote the whole chapter in 30 minutes. And I think the endangered species is like our grandparents' generation who just, they life happened and all of these things happened to them. I mean, they lost, they, the, the worst of the worst happened. They would lose their businesses, family members. They would, life was hard. And it was just life though. It's like they, accepted life the way that life is and they didn't avoid the thing they walked into the Mm -hmm. things which is the the way that i want to live now and they just didn't see it as these halting things that just overturn their life and they can never get through and i am not by any means trying to undermine trauma Mm -hmm. i think that trauma is a very real thing i've seen it in my life around me i i understand i've also been in the mental health space and in my own therapy for a long time but I think that if we could just be a little bit more like that generation and not avoid the, the things that happen in life, uh, we, I think we could be a lot better off for it. And I mean, if you think of any of the people that you admire, I think of all the people that I admire and love, like I love, they have been through knockdown, drag out things. And for a long time in my life, I just wanted to turn the other way. I do not want to experience that. I would rather go around it. And in not experiencing that, I'm not experiencing a fuller, more vibrant, amazing level of living that's on the other side of those things. I was robbing myself of that. I think a lot of people are doing that uh, now. Yeah, I think that especially, too, that people, they don't want to just put the work in to get themselves to the other side. And it's like, it's hard. No matter, it's hard. Yeah, it, it is. It's hard work. And I think that I always say it's really simple. Technically, you'd have to just do things that aren't necessarily easy. And 
like when I'm in those dark places, of course, I don't feel like doing that. Hello. Like I would rather be sad, but I think when you go through enough, you know that there, when you do have those experiences on the other side, you at least have that with you when you're dealing with something and you know that it exists. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, now you're at this place in your life where you do have this like family and this career where you're authentic, you have a podcast. And so what is like your life kind of look like now? I mean, especially I'm sure it's cathartic sharing your story, but what do you kind of share with your community on dealing with just, you know, the human experience now? Because it's not like, you're not saying I wrote this book, I went through rock bottom and I don't have anxiety anymore. I don't have fear anymore. I don't have stress anymore. You're a human and you have children, which to me is like, terrifying in itself well, it's like wet, raising wild animals <laughs> in your mouth yes uh-huh. and you're literally pregnant right now like it's just you have a whole new chapter of life on your plate that like sometimes I think oh my god I've gotten through so much I can't believe that I'm only 27 and so I'm probably going to get through so much more so what are those kinds of things that you take with you on a daily basis to keep yourself in check and keep yourself at least making the next right decision I think it's all, I think awareness is always a big thing because it's going to be different things on different days. It's going to be different things in different seasons. It's going to be different things for you and for I. And I think that so many people living their lives on cruise control, they don't take a second to say, let me just, let me see for a second what's wrong. They start to feel bad and they numb it out and they push it down. And I tell you what, you are going to have a pile of a mess underneath a rug eventually, and it's going to spill out into every area of your life. And so awareness is something I always carry into my life now. But also, like you just mentioned it. Okay, I've got 900 kids. I've got 900 businesses. Things are just wild and insane and crazy. And living fully is not just a jam-packed full life that is so full that you don't even have chance to live it like, like Mm -hmm. a chance to live it. Um, and it gets really noisy. So something that I do a lot now, and I wrote a chapter on it in the book and it's called ignore the noise. Something that I have to constantly be aware of is, is noise is the noise of whatever's going on on my phone is the noise of children all the time. There's constant, just audible noise in my house (laughs) that sometimes you can't ignore. But then also a lot of times, especially going through all that I've been through, a lot of times I know the right decision to make in, in an instance. And I will hem and haul over this decision and go on and on. And I'll ask a hundred people and I'll think and I'll, and a lot of times if I can just quiet the noise on the outside and listen to what I know is true, if I can say, what are my, what are my priorities? What are the things that really matter? And I can list those in my mind and I can say, okay then I'm going to make this decision this way because it's putting the priority and the value and the way I want to live my life in the forefront. So ignoring just the noise that is the noise of the world we live in and the human experience. I love how you described it. Uh, That's something that I bring into my life now. Also, I think just having kids, um, you can really easily get on cruise control because you've got so many other people you have to take care of. So Lord knows you don't have any time for yourself. Uh, when is the m- minute that I get? It's like, you know, there is not one. Um, so something that's really important to me. And like I said, I have a family that was very obsessive about this um, is living out the legacy that I want to leave at the end of my life. I want to mm-hmm. live it out in the daily life, in the daily life. I want to make decisions based on it. I want to be a parent based on the way that I want to live, a, leave a legacy. I want to be a spouse I want to be a friend. I want to run my business and share the things that I share on social media in like a legacy mode. Like it's every day. And I think in reminding myself that when I'm 75, I don't want to just now be assessing how will people remember me? How will, how did I influence and affect people? The people that lived in my home and the people on the outside that didn't even know me that watched me. I try to think of that in the everyday and I try and like live in like a, almost like I call like legacy mode uh, every day instead of just like living life, like chicken with my head cut off or like above head above water, which I do get like sometimes everybody does. It's life is wild. Whether you are a stay at home mom 
or whether you are a person that has 100 jobs or is a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. But if you can make your decisions and if you can just keep that in the forefront of your mind, like this matters because like I want to I want to leave a legacy. I want I want people to walk into a room and feel this way about me. I want people that are listening to this podcast to feel this way about me. Not that like something is performative and I'm just parroting mm-hmm. things. Everybody's saying things right now. There are 20-year-old TikTokers on line telling people how to live your life. And I'm like, well, dang, how did you figure everything out? <laughs> that is really awesome. Because it took me a long time and a half a year in rehab and like a heck of a lot of ups and downs. And I'm not saying that people don't know. But I'm saying uh, if you can really think of your life in that way, uh, that helps me in my everyday life now. Um, and there's a lot of other things. And I write about a lot of things in the book that I do now. And I'll do something different tomorrow, probably, that mm-hmm. I'll do next year, that I'll do in five years. But over the last 10 years or so, these are the things that moved the needle for me at all different times. At times of joy and like jubilation and times of total despair, I'm going to lose my life if I don't change this. Or times of like having a family member pass away, unexpected, like Life is hard sometimes. So living fully is not just, uh, it's not just the person at rock bottom. It's not the person that's choosing rock bottom. It's the person that's also got a really great life. It's the person that's going through something really hard in life. I wrote it to a lot of people because haven't we all been a lot of people Mm -hmm. at different times in our lives? So um, there's all different ways that I do it uh, now in my life. But, um, I think awareness of what you need and what time in your life is very important so that you're not just spinning your wheels and, um, just, just living without any sort of intention at all. Yeah. And I think that the kind of recognizing the different seasons and the ability and the okayness to change is so important because you think that there's like just this one end goal and this one person you have to become and you'll be and you will arrive, but there's like different things for different times. And I I love how you express that because I think that it's something that with social media and with pressure that we put on ourselves, it feels like we all have to be quote unquote that girl and do it like X, Y, and Z. And it's always going to be changing, but the awareness at the forefront of the mind and the legacy, I absolutely love that so much. I mean, I could literally listen to you talk all day long. Um, well, same. I feel the same. It's kind of it's kind of an issue. But where <laughs> can everyone follow along, but also buy the book? Because I'm sure everyone's feeling like really yes. amped up right now. So let's give them like the actual wake up call to dive into everything. Yes, wake up call and then the stay awake call. Like you gotta yes. Get <laughs> um. So Mallory Irvin on Instagram. We do a lot on Instagram. So. M-A-L-L-O-R-Y-E-R-V-I-N. MalloryIrvin.com has a link to everything. I have a YouTube channel and a podcast and merchandise and a book and just everything. Everywhere that you like to consume content, I am there. So you can choose. (laughs) Go to the website and you can choose. And then the book um, came out February 8th. And you can buy it anywhere books are sold. Barnes & Noble and Amazon and Walmart and Target and Every single place. Also, if you go into Target, I'm on the video walls right now. So you can see my book trailer. Oh, my God. The video walls. The book trailer was amazing, by the way. I loved it. I've never seen, I don't know if I've never seen a book trailer before, but I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this is so epic. What is happening Thank you. I know. Everyone was like, is there a movie? this? No, I know. I literally watched it like three times. I was like, I was like, it was just like making you know I was like like, like I was like let's yeah. go what I'm supposed to do Good. yeah exactly I, I like loved that. it I told my publishers I was like I understand a lot of authors they want to write their books and like they don't even want to be in the public and I said I do I video and po- like put me on all of the things you know I, I I want to do a video and they were like oh book trailers they don't really move the needle and I was like this one will like <laughs> let me do this one we've got a great idea because and and the the way that they pulled the emotion, that's what it felt exactly. like. What I was going exactly. through to a video because on Instagram, I can write a caption that's this long about what's in the book. Right. Oh, you know how people are these days. They need to see it and they need to feel it. And like that's what I that's what the book is very emotional. I wrote it to be a quick read. I wrote it to be 
it's written like I talk. I wrote it. You know, I, I, I think that the only way to show people what was in this book was a video. So I'm glad you liked that. Well, it worked because I was just like, I was like, wow. I was like, this is serious stuff. And we are, I was like, this is next level. So I am so excited to now dive into it since we had our current mood combo together, because I told you obviously before we started recording that I would just, I needed to hear the words from your mouth first because I'm selfish like that. So I hope that everyone gets the book like I already have done and it's going to start reading with me thank and just you, thank Lauren. you so much for like being so vulnerable and authentic and sharing your story. I, you're doing the Lord's work for everyone that follows you. So, so are thank you. you so much. So are and you. thank you for coming on mood, obviously. Yes. It was an honor. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Mood with Lauren Elizabeth. Make sure to give five stars and a nice mood boosting review wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Make sure to tag us on Instagram at Mood with Lauren Elizabeth so we can repost what your favorite part of this week's episode was. Just you listening to it, how you're boosting your mood this week. Obviously, follow along for the reels, for the posts, all the inspiration you need to get you to next week's episode. You go to shoplaurenelizabeth.com to get your mood boosting tote and merch. Follow me on YouTube at Lauren Elizabeth and on Instagram. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.